Liran Hirschkorn here, your host of the e-commerce mindset podcast. I just finished interviewing John Hefter, VP of uh, creative and brand strategy for Thrasio and one of the original uh, founding members. And we spoke about uh, some of the uh, things in the Thrash playbook when they acquire a brand and how they are able to very quickly uh, grow sales. Uh, we spoke a lot about the, the creative side and you should pay attention and write notes um, and implement uh, some of the advice that John had for how they are using creative strategies to grow sales on Amazon. The interview is uh, and the podcast is sponsored by IncrementumDigital.com. My email is also in the show notes. Uh, Incrementum Digital is my Amazon sponsored ads agency where we help you grow your sales and optimize your ads for uh, Amazon, including Amazon DSP. Uh, enjoy this uh, interview with John. Okay, so we have with us today uh, on the show, John Hefter. John is the uh, VP of Creative and Brand Strategy at Thrashio. He's also one of the uh, original uh, founding members of Thrashio, which, um, you know, if uh, you're probably living under a rock, if, if you haven't heard the story, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it first. But the first um, profitable, fastest growing billion dollar company uh, in this country's history. So um, pretty amazing. Uh, welcome to the show, John. Thanks. Great to be here. Awesome. Um, so, you know, for those that um, maybe don't know a little bit, um, how did you sort of get to to join this uh, amazing company um, uh, as one of the founding members? Yeah, so it, it's sort of a, a, a long story. I, I actually um, met Carlos at uh, just a local cocktail party and we just had like a connection on politics. I mean, on, on uh, topics completely unrelated to business. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he was sort of kvetching. Uh, he ran a Facebook uh, ad agency at the time, and he was kvetching about some of his sort of clients just not knowing what they're doing from a branding perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just like, well, let me look at a couple of them. And uh, I was like, oh, I'd fix this one and that one. I would do this here. I'd do that there. It's just these are like I know exactly how to fix these things. Mm -hmm. And he said, great. Can you come in on Monday and, and show us what we're doing? Um, and I did. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I was able to sort of um, optimize a few of the brands for some of his clients. My sort of favorite story is, uh, I, I won't say the company. I gave them a roadmap. This is probably a little bit too much upfront for mm -hmm. like the next five years. <laughs> uh, and they immediately uh, took the roadmap, fired Carlos's company, and are still running the playbook to this day. Wow. So, well, but for me, it's sort of like, you know, it was a proof positive that, uh, that maybe my instincts were sort of on to something, um, you know, when it comes to branding. Yeah. Uh, from there, we started seeing these um, Facebook clients coming in who were doing well on Shopify and they were just sort of whispering about how amazingly well they were doing uh, on, on Amazon. And they didn't seem to be, let's say, you know, overly nuanced um, or, or brilliant by any respects, at least not mm -hmm. all of them. Um, and so the, the idea just sort of came into play that, well, we could get involved with this. And Carlos and Josh had already been talking about doing an e-commerce roll-up. Uh, you know, Josh is a brilliant finance background. Carlos is maybe the best facilitator that I've ever met as far as gathering talent together. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, things just sort of started falling into place. Carlos's first client, Stephanie, um, had a company called Bravelets that she was working on. Um, and 
before you know it, we just the four of us sort of got together, started working on the project, raised a little bit of money. Uh, that led to our first few brands. Um, first one was really small, didn't do too great, but the next three really did. And it just started this sort of steamroll effect to get us where we all are today. Um, and I give uh, Carlos a ton of credit for probably getting our first 40 hires in the door without having to post a job resume. Yep. Um, and, you know, Josh with his sort of financial brain power and influence was able to get us capital. And uh, we had a really great core team sort of, sort of start this process. You match that with some serendipitous timing and you kind of get the outcome that we had. So I feel very, uh, very fortunate to be part of this sort of rocket ship. And um, it was a very serendipitous and fortuitous uh, time to get into this business. In this yeah. Space. You know, they, it's um, that the, they say, I guess you have to have a lot of the right elements in place, right? Like the right ingredients, obviously the, the right talent, the right people come together, the right timing, all the right elements. And, um, you know, bring, bring all those things together to, you know, to create, uh, you know, an amazing, uh, amazing brand and, and, um, and business. Um, and, and so as you know, you, you have this sort of broad title, which I think, uh, you know, you mentioned to me, right. We hit record kind of allows you to play in a lot of different areas, which must be, uh, fun and, and exciting. Um, so what, do, what is your role or what do you do as VP creative brand strategy? Obviously, you know, you have, you have a lot of brands, right? So like you could probably only dedicate sort of so much time to let's say one specific brand. So how do you sort of drive the direction of brand strategy and like, what is, what is the role of like most of the day-to-day of what you do? Yeah. So that's a really uh, great question. And um, something that's for me is almost hard to put perspective on uh, just because I have my, my hands in so many pots, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so one of the core things I do is, is, is drive brand strategy, which is really on a high level when we have incoming brands that we acquire is looking at how we can optimize them and make them look prettier, more trustworthy, and more likely to convert. So uh, we have a core team of people that's approaching um, 45 or so that help facilitate those changes. So that's what we do from a creative direction. Uh, I also, uh, right now uh, run the product development team. So we have two individual teams that sort of have different specialties that are looking at brand line extensions, white space products, new brands. And we're in the process of uh, ramping that team up significantly. Um, And we're really excited about that in the, in the upcoming year. Um, So I manage that piece of the business there. Um, We have some uh, other outsource teams that manage uh, basic uh, POAs and Amazon Defense, and and I, I lead that team as well. Um, the fun stuff, beyond the fun <laughs> yeah. stuff, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, beyond beyond that, you know, I look. There's as as we grow so fast, um, there is a there really was a strong cohesive cultural glue that existed within our company that I think still exists, and um, a lot of my work is sort of making sure that that doesn't dissipate. Mm-hmm. And to get teams that are growing ever larger to work together harmoniously. So, like maintaining culture becomes, you know, you know, when you're a team of four, or ten, or fifteen, or twenty, it's much easier to maintain a certain culture. You kind of know everybody knows everybody. A little bit harder as you get big, bigger. And one of the things you sort of sounds like you work on is trying to maintain that culture. 
Yes. And some of that is just, you know, regular connectivity across departments mm -hmm. to, uh, to try to maintain um, balance. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very concerned about making sure that our entire entity is aligned at the same set of goals. Mm -hmm. um, and Danny, our president, does an amazing job uh, making sure that our OKRs are on target. Uh, but that being said, as you get into the busy day-to-day -day life, uh, there's a lot of decisions that can be made that can affect a lot of departments. And um, I like to make sure that we're being thoughtful about a lot of those decisions. So I'm spending a lot of time with Stephanie at the head of operations or Brandon um, you know, who, who runs marketing. Um, I even still spend time uh, with the acquisition team all of those things are really uh, incredibly valuable to what we're, we're trying to do. And we just want to make sure that we're making the most prudent choices as, as an entity, as opposed to an individual group. Yes. And, and you mentioned for those that may not know OKRs um, objectives and, and key results is kind of a, a system for, um, you know, instead of giving people tasks, you know, do your job is to do this and that your, your job is actually, you, you kind of give people sort of bigger, just goals, right? Here are the key results, here are the objectives. And then, you know, it's, a, it's somewhat up to you to try to, or, you know, you, you get, you get leeway in, in terms of how you do it, but here's kind of your goals. And um, it's kind of a system for, for, for managing, um, get, getting results and uh, meeting business goals. Yes. Um, it's just, it, it's a really great way of setting long-term objectives and having measuring sticks to see if you live up to those, right. <laughs> those desires. Right. Yep. Um, and it gives, it's a nice cycle to be able to check in to see how you're progressing. Um, because as you know, as you get busy, you can kind of get scatterbrained all over the place yep. and it's just something to anchor your strategy to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so product development, uh, you mentioned it, it's something you're kind of ramping up now. One of the things, you know, Casey, uh, Casey Goss was recently on the, on the podcast and he mentioned, that um, Thrasio has done a great job in growing the revenues of the businesses that they've bought and really just based on the existing products and product development, like adding on, you know, adding on new products, new SKUs is more of a newer, newer initiative. So um, it's, it's not like you guys are coming in and, you know, just throwing a ton of money at launching new products to grow the revenue. Um, you've been able to grow revenues of the brands with only a, a lot of times or most of the time growing and, and Casey mentioned, you know, doubling revenues with only what you're handed with, right? The, is that pretty accurate? That's yeah, that, that's very accurate. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's um, pretty, I mean, that's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, I think for people to think about that, you know, you don't, yes, I, I think one of the ways to grow revenue with an Amazon business and something you need to probably do on a right on a, you know, have annual goals for like new product launches, whatever, whatever, you know, that mean that is for your business, but there's a lot of potential with what you already have. Yes. So I would, I would agree with that. And, and look, it really comes down to a very simple principle that we sort of believed from the very beginning, which is that a lot of third-party brands are just run by one or two people. Maybe you got a couple of VAs, but you know that creates a very limited bandwidth. And all of us as individuals are not capable of being experts at everything. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like uh, we're a, a drop of knowledge in an ocean of knowledge, yeah. right? Yeah. So 
all of us bring our, our own individual skill sets, whether that be PPC or sourcing or branding or marketing. But the likelihood that you'll be good at everything is, is, is very small. Right? We, we probably only had one or two brands that we've acquired who fit that model entirely, where they have really everything buttoned up. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, for us, we have experts in all those things I just mentioned in sourcing support. Um, supply chain, direct uh, to consumer websites, Facebook, Instagram, Google, mm-hmm. PPC. And what we do is we bring all of those things together and we put our new brands through something we call a conveyor belt, which I don't know how many steps it is. It's like a 155 step program that makes sure that we're optimizing every potential piece of the business so we can we can grow it. Right. So essentially... It sounds like you 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 leave no stone unturned in terms of increase increasing revenue. One hundred and fifty five is obviously a lot of things that you could do to to optimize it. You know, I get I guess it's the theory that if each one of those things does a little bit, then together it could, it could be uh, massive in terms of growth revenue. Yeah, that that's really what it is. I mean, it's you know we all know this on Amazon. Uh, it it everything sort of follows like uh, the math. Matthew principle, which is uh, to those who have everything, everything will be given. You know, if, if you're a top performer in a vertical, uh, you get more sessions, you get more conversions, you get more sales, you can put more of that money into marketing or branding or whatever it is. And it sort of starts this positive steamroll effect. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really how we try to position ourselves yep. um, is to have everything buttoned up so we can sell the idea of trust with every one of our products, Got it. And, right? And, yeah, and you, you mentioned you mentioned um, you mentioned trust before. You mentioned uh, you know making brands look prettier, most more trustworthy, and converting better. So, um, you know, what are, what are some things I, I've seen? You know, I've seen a couple of brands. You know, looking looking around, uh, a couple of brands that um, that Thrasio owns, and um, you know, I've seen a very sort of very cohesive. Uh, images with similar sort of colors and fonts across those images. Um, I've also seen, you know, I know on the Angry Orange, and I think I've seen on another brand, um, you seem to hire some, I, I guess some, you know, I would say what, mid, middle, middle sort of semi-known sort of celebrity to, you know, get social proof, right? And I think that's part of creating that trust. Like, you know, I, I saw on the on the Angry Orange brand, for example, you have a soccer star, um, and I think you, you may have you may be using her across across some other brands, right? As like a, a paid sort of paid maybe uh, uh, use of of her uh, of her name to to market. So, like, what are, what are some of the things people could be doing? You know, there's 155 things, but there's probably uh, you know, top 10, top five things people could be doing to, to start focusing on, incre- on, you know, adding, uh, creating that prettier, more trustworthy products so, so that they can convert better. Yeah. I mean, look, that's, that's really what I'm here to do today yeah. is to is to help most of your listeners just do the simple yep. things. Celebrity is something that we're fleshing out right now. Um, I, I just had a, I'm not going to reveal who it is, but I just had a, a, a what I would consider an A-list celebrity nice. um, that I wrote a commercial for and he uh, agreed to, and did the contract with agreed to do the whole thing, read my lines. I just saw the rough cut two days ago and it was That's a awesome. super exciting moment for yeah. me, you know, just to sort of like, 
a how did I get here sort of right. moment. Like, um, um, you know, um, surreal, right? Like, like you know, you just got this a a lister to, to read the script that you wrote. Um, it's got to be a, a exciting, fun. Feels real. Feels really good. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really tremendous. But you know that that's I couldn't have done that two years ago, right? right? We didn't have the cash. Right. <laughs> so, so uh, for me, that's an outlier for most. So I, I won't really delve into mm-hmm. like how we try to make those things mm-hmm. work. Um, there are so many simple things that you can do. And for me, creative is one of those things that's just often overlooked in the Amazon space for whatever reason. Uh, and for me, I saw a massive opportunity to obsess about it and by obsessing about it, just have sessions and or conversion rates go through the roof. And I've seen it myself firsthand over and over and over again. Um, so why don't we just start with, with for me, the, the, the lead listing mm-hmm. image. Yep. Um, so we have a coffee brand that has features of a French press that does really well. Um, and the lead listing image has our box, which is nice. The press and a bonus coffee storage item that comes with it. Uh, so that was that's been the listing photo for a couple of years. It looked great. It sells sells really well. Um, what we decided to do to do was actually take all of the individual filter pieces out and lay them in front of the unit itself, and then um, add uh, some more of the color variations that existed and put them on the main listing photo. Mm-hmm. And when we ran a poll just by making these small changes, um, it won. 75% as a preference to the original photo to 25%. And are, are you so, using like PicFu when you say running a poll? Like, yes. yes. So, so we use, we use PicFu as our, as our um, core mediator for creative decisions. Mm-hmm. And for those of you out there who just aren't really nuanced in your understanding of what makes good creative using PicFu is just a really great sort of, uh, you know, sanity check to make sure that the decisions that you're making are going to benefit your brand. Um, you know, it starts at the hero image. For me, I have a saying that uh, I, I think I coined, which is I want a thumb stopper, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When you're scrolling on your phone, I want a product that just stops. So for us, the first thumb stopper that we pulled off was the aforementioned angry orange. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of had this ugly bronze bottle that had a really kind of cheap sort of vape shop looking label on it. Uh, I took me six months to source these bright orange bottles that we changed into. Uh, I went through 43 different variations till I found the exact bottle that I want. And the first day that we switched over from the bronze bottle to the orange bottle, we sold 150 extra units that day. Wow. And it remained steady uh, going forward from that point. And that's just, uh, it might be a little hyperbolic for, for most of the things that we do with. But the reality is, is that creative can have just massively drastic changes with things that seem relatively mundane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll give you another example. We have a, a, a tea brand. Uh, it sells dandelion root tea, um, which is a detox tea. And I only knew that, frankly, because my wife uses it from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I looked at our tea brand and it just said dandelion root tea on it. And I was like, huh, well, we should smack a big giant detox badge on our box so people know exactly what it is because even if people know that dandelion root tea is detox tea if they're not told this is a product that's directly 
uh, purpose for the, the reason you would want to use it, then they lose a certain amount of confidence or trust in the product they might acquire. So we, uh, we put that badge on there. Um, sales almost tripled within 24 hours of flipping it over. And uh, we got an editorial badge like two weeks later. And I think that it, the, it has 5X'd its daily output by making that very simple little change. Right. So, so it's not, you know, the, so for, you know, on the, on the creative front, it's the main image, but you're also uh, improving the packaging. Uh, it sounds like also a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the time, right? Like with, with angry orange and with the, uh, it, with the detox tea as well. It, it, yeah, it really, it really depends, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if, if the packaging is not trustworthy or it can help sell our product mm-hmm. to stick out your main listing photo, then we focus on it. If the packaging will not help you sell your product anymore, uh, then we don't focus on it. So it's really product dependent. The key is, you know, is your product on your hero image? Is it sized properly? Is it as large as it can be? Is it shiny? Is it differentiated from your competition in a positive way? Mm-hmm. Are there extra features and benefits that you're allowed to use with TOS that you can put on the listing to make your offering seem more robust than your competition? Yep. Yeah. And, and, right. and so, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at Dandelion Ruti and like, you know, you just see so many listings that there's one listing where literally the image is just loose tea you know it's like the, yes. the main image right and those are your competitors and you have those competitors in every niche that you can you can surpass with doing it right who are not paying attention to in fact there's there's several of those type of competitors that don't even show a box don't even show packaging and then and then there are others that have very very plain yeah packaging that doesn't necessarily bring that trust and uh, i i think what you what what you guys are doing is you're optimizing packaging for e-commerce versus a lot of brands, especially I would say probably in this area where a lot of brands traditionally have been in brick and mortar. They have, they haven't had to optimize packaging for stopping yeah. the thumb, right? Like you said. And, and, here, and here's the one thing I'm going to say is general for everyone out there, like spend money on creative. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many sellers that I've talked to, particularly when I was doing deal work back in the early days and when we, when we could travel, we're just like, oh, I got a guy who'll do it for... 500 bucks or 400 bucks, my whole photo shoot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you have to understand that like, if you have a, a million dollar product and uh, you spend $20,000 on a, on a very expensive photo shoot with video and everything else. And that's, that's really on the high range, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even, even for mm-hmm. us, right. Like uh, there's a chance to that, that outcome, if it's done properly, will lead to a 20% increase in revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And even if it's a, a 10% increase in revenue or 5%, extrapolate that over a period of three or three to five years. Mm-hmm. Think about like the fact that one of the metrics that Amazon uses to you know, control your ranking, probably the most important one is your conversion rate. Right. Quality, quality creative affects conversion rate more than almost anything. Right. And if you don't have something that's presented in a trustworthy way, you're selling yourself short. You're going to lose rank. You're not going to be able to keep up with other people who are making improvements. Mm -hmm. So creating something that's quality and trustworthy is immensely valuable in the long term to what you're doing. So there's an old saying that's like, don't jump over a $20 bill to get to a $5 Mm -hmm. bill. When it's time to do creative, do it right. Right. Test it. 
and then you end up spending, you know, all this money, you know, people don't have issues, right. Spending all this money on, on, on ads and, you know, all these other things, but like, if you'd only put that, you know, and on giveaways, right. And, and all these other things, but if you had only put that money into creative, your results in those areas would, would be so much better to, to be, to begin so, with. So ima- imagine if I hadn't, you know, put all that effort into doing angry orange, right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we took over that brand, it was doing just about, it was just under just over $2 million a year. I don't remember perfectly offhand, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, we do $80,000 a day now. Wow. Wow. Right. And, and it, it started with our product presentation. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where that momentum was shifted. And that's not the case with every brand. And some brands we get are, are in pretty great shape and we just have to do small tweaks. And, but it just speaks to me, to the power of creative. And it's the thing that is often most ignored by sellers. And how would you advise sellers to, to balance? So, you know, I ha- I'm launching a new product. I want to give it mm-hmm. the best light possible, but maybe I want to wait a little bit to see how it sells before I invest another 10 grand into video and, and creative. So what's the right balance? Is there sort of like viably good enough to see if it gets sales and then invest more? Or would you say, you know, you should really have the capital to do a product right from the get go to give it the best chance? Like how, how do you balance that as, you know, as, as not a billion dollar company? That's a, that's a great question. Um, and look, you know, for me, I, I don't want to launch anything. I don't believe right. in. that's number one. Right. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give my products that I'm launching the absolute best chance to succeed. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. That doesn't mean that you have to spend 10,000 bucks mm-hmm. at all. Right. Um, there are many ways to get around it and to make things kind of work. Um, so the, uh, the dandelion root tea, for example, to give, to uh, and also our matcha tea, um, which we made a great packaging change on, had the same impact um, that we had with the dandelion root tea. We I actually use stock photos mm-hmm. and renderings, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, I found I found stuff that looked great, that looked believable, and that's the that's the art. Uh, you know, the music instead of the math when it comes to stock photos, yep. they have to look like they belong. Right. And they're legitimate and real, and it feels like an, a, an actual photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, and you lay over renderings, um, and you have you know a designer just make some minor changes, you can totally make that work. Right. I've done that. We've done that. I don't know, fifty times. Yep. So you know that that comes down to whatever you're paying for your designer and a few hundred bucks in stock photos, maybe, and you're good to go. But that does not fit every product set. Mm-hmm. Again, the core thing that you have to think about, you have to step back, stop being a seller and pretend you're a consumer. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at a listing, all the consumer is thinking about is, do I trust this? Do I trust this? Do I trust this? Is this the real deal? Is this a piece of crap from China? Am I going to get screwed? Yep. Are these reviews real? Those are the things that are going through your head. Mm -hmm. And if a product is presented in a professional manner, that looks like it belongs in a sort of mainstream magazine advertisement, you're, the answer is going to be yes. Yeah. Right. And you're going to have like, um, I've had conversion rate, unit session rate percentages on products go from 18% to 40% by making the creative sound. And again, that's not every time. Most of the time it's a few points here or right. there. But it can really have that much of an impact. So if you're thinking about, 
hey, I'm going to cut a few corners and, and, you know, uh, and not do everything that I know I should, and I'm going to put that money elsewhere, you are probably selling yourself short. Mm-hmm. Because you just have to think of yourself as a consumer. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, these the, these are great points. I think I totally agree with you. I think I think sellers, um, you know, I get this a lot. People come to us for for advertising, and I look at the listings, and I'm like, "What's your conversion rate?" You know, and if it's you know, if people are give me five six percent, I'm like, I can't help you because we can throw more traffic on it, but it's you know, more traffic is only a small part of the equation, right? You need to actually convert, convert those people. And again, they're, they're willing to go come to me. And, and I guess because it's the easy, maybe people think of it as an easy fix or path of least resistance, right? Working on creative is harder than just, you know, running ads, right? And, and, and figuring it out and testing and investing in it and taking the time. And it's not an, it's not an immediate fix versus, just throwing more traffic at something or, or trying to rank for keywords or hacks instead of really focusing on, like you said, on, on the customer. And um, so interesting um, on the matcha, I'm actually, I'm looking, I'm looking at some of the, uh, the products and I'm guessing what, what you guys are, uh, what you guys are running. Did you guys change that, that sure. packaging? Because, you know, I see on the packaging, you have some benefits like boost focus and metabolism. You have a heart shape, you know, that shows the, the yes. product, like, uh, it's organic. Um, so, you know, wondering if it, if it was organic before, mm-hmm. but that's a, a major trust factor. Like you, you have, you have all these elements that are, you know, that are producing trust and look beautiful. And I can see on the packaging benefits um, again, maybe on a, on a grocery store shelf, maybe it's not as important, but on, on Amazon, it's super important. You have 10 seconds to kind of impress somebody, like you yeah. said, to stop. Yeah. So the original packaging on, on that one uh, really, like to me looks like it belonged in a GNC on a bottom shelf somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just didn't look, I, I didn't want to buy it. Right. And so the concept was, is like, I want this to feel like it belongs on a featured shelf in a, in a whole foods. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Right. Um, and uh, one of the things we actually learned, which is really uh, fascinating is originally when we did this packaging, it actually was a cappuccino cup with like a heart in the foam mm-hmm. as opposed to the powder itself. Mm-hmm. And we got feedback from the PicFu that said, uh, I don't like this because I can't see the product. Mm. Great. So our, you know, our, our responses were not going the way that we wanted. And that's how eventually we landed on that heart right there. But yeah, for me, again, your features and benefits, if you use your packaging to sell those things, right? It's yep. like your first shot. It's your first shot at you know, delivering your bullets or, or your listing photo benefits. Yep. So, you know, you have another one there to, that's to the right. And it says of me right now, I'm looking at mm-hmm. it, you know, certified organic matcha tea, matcha. That's all it says. And ours says pure organic matcha helps boost focus and metabolism. Good for latte smoothies and baking. Right. So for me, that gives me the confirmation as a consumer both from the aesthetics, because it looks like something that belongs in a whole food. Mm-hmm. So you, you're, you're thinking it's quality, right. right? And then B, that this one, even though they're all the same product, might have some special benefit that I actually need. And, and when, when Thrash looks to, is it, I don't know, is it Thrash or Thrasio? I'm not, I'm not always sure. It's, it's, Thras, it's Thrasio. Thrasio. Don't worry about it. Everyone messes with Thrasio. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah. So when, when, uh, when Thrasio looks to acquire, I mean, is it particularly looking for these, 
opportunities where somebody has not fully optimized because obviously if they haven't done that you know you know your playbook you're going to be able to go in and um you know <laughs> meaning meaning everybody should make these changes grow their sales you know and then if you want to sort of you know one of the things i want to ask you is sort of yeah preparing your brand to to sell to thrasio um you know do you should you should you do these things three months before you want to sell or you might as well at that point you know not make those changes uh you know and uh and just and just sell how, how does sort of thrash you look at it meaning would you would, would you have bought this already optimized or sure yeah okay yeah then we, we like there's benefits to both right but one that's already optimized means we don't have to touch it and it going through that 155 you know step process will go a lot faster mm -hmm. so there's a real benefit for us on having a clean, polished brand that has everything buttoned up because we don't have, to, I don't say we have to touch right. it, but we'd still very light touch. Right. Um, there's also benefits from having brands that we know, like, uh, you know, when I, when I opened up that bottle of angry orange, I showed it to Carlos and I was like, uh, smell that. Cause I smell gold, <laughs> right? Yep. Like I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it and how we we're going to do it. And there was so much room for optimization. Um, so Really, for us, either either will do, mm -hmm. uh, and it's okay if if you don't have the vision for this sort of stuff. It's totally fine. Not everyone does. Again, you can't be great at everything, and I think it's really good for sellers to understand their strengths and weaknesses, yep. and and not worry if they can't do everything right. If that makes any sense, because then it'll allow them to find help when they need it, and whether that's you know, it's time to sell, or they'll find an outside party to give them services, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's a benefit there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there, there's, there are, you know, like to your point, you don't need to be, you don't need to be great at it. If you're great at like product selection, which I think is obviously really, really important then, you know, and one of the most important things, then you can hire the, you know, you can hire the creatives, you can hire somebody to do, to run your ads. You can, you can hire a great photographer and a videographer. You don't, you don't actually, right. You, you I, I think the more important role is to be able to be a great quarterback of what, what needs, you know, having an eye for like what needs to be done in order to, to increase sales and then hiring the right people to, you know, to, to help you, uh, to help you do it. Um, I wanted to ask you about price um, and sort of, you know, I, I imagine that um, I imagine that when, uh, when you guys acquire a brand, you have a lot of operational efficiencies um, and that one of your advantages is the ability to lower price and take more market share. Um, is, would you, I mean, is that generally, is that part, is that part of the playbook? Like being able, Amazon is a very price driven marketplace and being super competitive. And, you know, so, so, so as a individual seller, if you can buy more stock, if you can never go out of yep. stock, if you can get a better price from your supplier or find another supplier to get a better price, if you can have, you know, better pricing on your 3PL and storage and warehousing and all these things, then you can, you can lower your price and, and compete more. Like how important would you say, and, and just from what I've looked a little bit sort of like on, on Keepa, you know, um, you know, the, this, the, this matcha product, I see used to be a $24 product, $24.97. You guys are selling it for $14.99 now. So obviously, you know, you've been able to probably take a massive amount more of market share by doing that. But at the same time, I imagine you also have really good operational efficiencies that allow you to do that. 
Yeah, well, that 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 one's uh, this one was actually sort of a unique story there. So mm-hmm. I I forget what the tier is, but once you go below, I believe uh, you get a be- so better fees. fifteen or six minutes. Yeah, so our our fee structure went down. It just wasn't optimized before. Got it. So that was the, that was the core driver where our margins were similar and the it was ten dollars cheaper. So mm-hmm. you know yep. that that's that's uh, so what I'm trying to get at is is we generally don't have price drops that are that significant. Okay. Um, but uh, we do have a fair amount of them mm-hmm. when we think it will lead to a competitive advantage. And of course, part of our throwing our weight around mm-hmm. is working out deals with suppliers and giving them guarantees for lower prices and having cheaper storage at 3PLs, all those things you just mentioned yep. are things that large players are going to do, mm-hmm. which you know is important to know as a seller, particularly if you're launching into new territory. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like my general thesis, so I, I'll, I'll give you an, I'll just use Angry Orange because I'm, I'm yeah. looking at a bottle right now, my new product, uh, my new bathroom spray, but nice. I was thinking of one of the first products that I launched there um, Again, it goes back to like, all right, how can I make this product different, better, differentiate in the market? What what would I care about as a consumer? And I get in the head of con- the consumers and like, what do the other other people don't have, right? Mm-hmm. What? So for for me, the simple one is our original Angry Orange product was a concentrate. But you had to mix yourself. I was like, I'm lazy. Other people are lazy. We got to get a spray head on that thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so we we got a, a spray head on it. We made the big, beautiful orange bottle that didn't exist in the space. We launched it live. That product is $25,000 a day in sales now. Wow. As the pre-mix, it's, it's taken over our original product, even though the other one has uh, more reviews. Mm-hmm. We've gotten to the point now where I think I launched that 15 months ago or so, um, and we're about to hit 10,000 reviews in the next couple of weeks here. Wow. Uh, so for, for me, it was just identifying the need of the consumer related to the brand that had already created some sort of loyalty to it. Mm-hmm. So there's one way there. The other way is just ancillary offerings that make your product more compelling. Right. So um, I have so many examples. I, I don't want to kind of like get out of the hood too much mm-hmm. here, but um, you know, let's say that I was doing an, another matcha and I thought that a, 12 cent uh, measuring cup ladle would be helpful Mm -hmm. to sell this product over my competition. I find a way to put that in the offering, Mm -hmm. right? Or if I have an exercise ball and I think that um, adding a base and some of those like stretchy, the stretching flexible things would help. Mm -hmm. I find a way to bundle things, Mm -hmm. right? If something is, oversized can i work with the supplier to uh make it malleable and foldable to fit in a different shipping tier mm-hmm. are, are, are there are there colors that are just simply missing is there a design element that i can add that makes it special i'd much rather spend an extra you know six weeks figuring all that stuff out to make sure that when i launch it again i'm giving it the best chance to, su- to succeed mm-hmm. So, you know, another thing I like to do is can I combine search volumes? That's a big one. And I'm working on a couple products right now that are basically hybrid products that will, will basically pull off of the products are related to each other and they'll pull off multiple search term sets, right? That will allow us to sell to two different audiences. So, okay. So 
um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at exercise balls and I see, yeah, some people have the exercise balls with the resistance bands. Is that kind of what you mean? People looking for both the resistance bands and exercise balls and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and leverage that. Um, and I mean, and can you still compete sort of with, with somebody? I mean, somebody who's looking for a resistance band may not want to spend the money on, on buying both. Right. Like, so how do you figure out, like, totally. is, is this a good one to try to, to try to combine? Because well, the, the, well, the, the affinity has to make sense. Right. Right. Yep. So a bottle of angry orange with a gallon of milk wouldn't help. you, Right. Right. But if, you know, if you had a bottle of angry orange with a, uh, a dog brush and you're able to, that normally sells for $9 mm-hmm. and you're able to source it for 58 cents. Right. Maybe the combination of those two things will mm-hmm. compel an offering that will allow you right at launch, right. Yep. To, to start converting yep. and will lead to your success. So, those are the things that it's that extra line of thought yeah. of like, you got to look at your c- competition. It's one thing to, you know, just to go like, all right, well, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking at product. These, uh, these scales are selling really well. Uh, I'll just get the off the shelf from the supplier that I found who sells scales. Mm-hmm. Right. Like um, that's fine. Right. You can, you can do that, but the better way to do it is to figure out like, all right, well, what's missing from these scales. Yep. In the, in the vertical, We're, I'm not in that space, but like uh, I would look at color arrangements, style, ancillary products that might go yeah. along with it. You know, some some sort of like, can we tie it to an app? Something that would make your product superior to everyone else's. Yep. And then I would take the time to do it right. Because again, if you're launching a product, it shouldn't be a flyer. Mm-hmm. That's a waste of your time. You right. Know, you want your hit rate to be high um, and you want to lay out a plan and, it's, and you should just have it written down of why my product's going to be better than everyone else's. Yeah. Whether it's price, whether it's offering, whether it's those combined search volume things, you better have the whole thing figured out. And if you do, I'm telling you, stuff really, really works in my experience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm looking, uh, you know, this search of exercise ball and I see somebody selling an exercise ball base, right? So something where kind of the ball sits on it so it doesn't like roll, yeah. roll around in your room or whatever. And like, that's a great idea. And I don't see... I don't think anybody on page one selling the ball together with a base. Somebody is just selling the, the yep. base, the base separately, um, and that's a that's something that fits very, very well with that uh, with that product that would, you know, so that, that would work well. Issue, issue there with it, and that, but then the, the second level of that is probably is the the reason with the base is that changes your shipping tier, mm. and that it's a decent sized product, so the cogs in it might be high to make that not maybe cost effective. So you have to think yeah. there's two layers to, but if you could do that in a world where it was an extra buck or two to do that, yep. then yeah, it would be, a, it would be a great idea to do. Yeah. That. Yeah. And actually I, I see somebody who has variation. So they have the ball only and they have the ball in the base as a, as a variation. Um, yep. So it does exist a little bit, but um, yeah, it's those kind of things, right. To consider on what can I, what can I add? Amazon is obviously, especially on in certain categories and products, super, um, you know, super, uh, uh, competitive. Um, so, um, you know, to kind of, um, you know, so we touched on a lot of really good things and I, I think really stressing the importance of your packaging, the creative on how important that is. And sounds like it's part of a key strategy for, you know, for Thrasio to, to grow sales. Um, what, what, what advice would you, would you give to, 
new people coming in, you know, is, is Amazon's, you know, more, you know, let's, you know, the reality is right. That bigger money is, is coming in. One of, one of my clients just sold his brand uh, and he sold it to like a fund, you know, that owns like yeah. 10 other brands. Right. We're seeing more, more of this come in, more big money coming in and smaller sellers do need now to be able to compete, um, you know, with bigger players that have more money to invest in branding and, uh, and packaging and just, just all of it, the listings, et cetera. So, um, you know, is Amazon, is Amazon still a great opportunity for the small guy entering with, you know, 10 or $15,000? Um, would you, would you say would you, that, you know, that COVID maybe has reinvigorated the opportunity since the pie is getting bigger? Should people just focus on smaller niches? if they don't have, you know, sort of like the funds to, you know, to, to, to compete. Um, I'm, I'm seeing some of my clients right now, like getting decimated in some markets, like selling forehead thermometers and price prices, you know, they've gone into these markets, prices have dropped like, you know, 30% recently. Like what, what advice would you give to, you know, to the person coming in? Is it still possible to come into Amazon? with ten, fifteen thousand dollars and be able to build a brand or, or compete. Yes. hundred percent. A couple of things I would say is, is number one, just watch out for fidget spinners. Uh-huh. Yep. Forehead thermometers yeah. would be one of those markets yep. where like, you know, if if gyms were open, you'd be at the gym and five guys would be talking about like I should put forehead thermometers, find them and sell them online. It's yep. like so what's gonna happen, you're gonna have a massive influx of people ordering them. The supply is gonna go up beyond the demand. And then yep. there's going to be a race to the bottom. And that yep. happens with every fad thing that exists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't be the guy who decides to sell face masks and it takes you six months to get them out the door. And by then the market's dead. Right. Right. You won't be the first. So right. uh, for me, um, modest niches are a great place to start. They're lower risk, easier to rank. Mm-hmm. And here's the great thing. And what I always would tell our brand management teams uh every time I have a chance to talk to them, I'd be like, look, we're a cruise ship now. We can't turn very fast. Mm-hmm. All these small sellers are pirate ships. Right. And, and they are obsessed with the idea of their little product being victorious in their vertical. Mm-hmm. And when that obsession is pointed in the right direction and you're creative and malleable, you can find a way to beat anybody. Right. There, there's something to be said, right, to the one guy who, you know, is relying on this to succeed and he has put in, you know, maybe some good part of their savings into it versus the corporate employee, right? Like who is, is who their life is not dependent on. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. And that's like a, and that's, that's a battle that we fight at our office is to, how do we replicate that? <laughs> right. And it's, 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 it can be quite a challenge. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. So, um, let's just end off and talk a little bit about, you know, if somebody wants to, to sell to Thrasio, what does Thrasio look for or what are, what are the kind of, um, uh, businesses, you know, do you, I, I think I've heard, you know, you, you even buy sort of like single ASINs, like what, what does Thrasio look for when acquiring who's a good target? When, when should people sort of, you know, reach out at what revenue levels or, you know, should, should people reach out to say, Hey, I'm, I'm ready. Sure. I would say, uh, you know, you should be doing at least uh, 700 grand a year mm-hmm. in overall revenue. Yep. Um, we prefer, but don't necessarily require 
uh, smaller product sets from a parent level. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a million dollars a year, we'd much rather have a company that sells three to 10 items mm -hmm. than one that sells 400. Mm -hmm. um, yep. We're, we're basically category agnostic for the most part. We try to avoid things that have high levels of technical obsolescence mm -hmm. or are just like fad products in general. Um, other than that, we'll go as high as, you know, we're, we're at a stage now where we're considering companies as high as 70 million. So wow. if you're from 700,000 to that high, um, it's, it's worth opening up a dialogue with us for sure. Um, we don't expect every brand to be perfect. Most of the ones we buy aren't. Mm -hmm. um, our general thesis is, you know, we want to be good to sellers because those sellers will be our advocates in the future to getting us more people to, uh, you know, to talk to and eventually buy their brands as well. So we like to have creative deal structures mm -hmm. that allow long-term earnout potential for our prospective sellers mm -hmm. uh, that sort of align our interest for the future going forward. Meaning you want to get, you want to be a place sellers are happy to sell to because you will increase, grow the brand and there may be an opportunity for the seller to get, to, to get some upside in that. Totally. Yeah. And, and if you look at the, and, we, and like the, I think our biggest differentiator is there, there's some small stuff like, yeah, obviously you're not dealing with broker fees if you're selling directly to us, mm -hmm. but here's another big one too. Like, you can be start the process and be done in 45 days mm -hmm. closed money in your bank account, never having to worry about your brand again. Mm -hmm. Right. That is such a massive difference from the traditional sort of dealer broker route. Right. That, you know, you sort of have to flirt with a bunch of people. No one knows how to sell on Amazon. Mm -hmm. No, no one knows what the hell they're doing. They're getting loans that can fall through. Right. They get cold feet and, that sort of process can take, you know, uh, 120 days to a year to get a maybe. And with us, if we like it, we'll give you a price. If it goes to LOI, we have a 95% close rate, which means like we're gonna do we're gonna do the deal and we're gonna say that we're gonna do what we're gonna do. And then we're gonna put money in your account and then you get to hand it over and start whatever your next life's adventure is. And for us, that's that's it. That's our big key. And no one has more money or experience doing what we do. Yeah. And, and, and that's, it's going to take a year. There's a lot of people jumping in the space, mm -hmm. which we expected. Obviously, if you get the type of press and results that we got, yep. like, you know, there's going to be some derivative, uh, you know, energy that goes your way. And we expected that we knew it was coming and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but this, where this is not a, it just, uh, it's not a, um, winner take all market right like there's no. there's 15,000 sellers in the US or so with like a million dollar plus right like there's yep. you know Thrasio Thrasio can't buy all those all those brands so there's uh there's plenty of opportunity there's plenty there's plenty of opportunity uh for everybody and we yes. won't be the best match but i will say one thing you know we had this sort of meteoric rise to the top mm -hmm. uh it's not easy man mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we had to have a lot of things go right, but we also had to get a lot of kick-ass people who really know what the hell they're doing mm -hmm. across everything from deal diligence side to legal to brand management to supply chain marketing, direct to consumer. We had to get the best people in the world, right? And we did, right? Yep. Um, so with us, 
we have the provenance and the experience of actually taking brands and managing them. Right. Right. Yeah. So let's say you have a new private equity guy coming in. He wants to buy 10 brands. Like what happens when his first, uh, you know, uh, new sold is used suspension comes in. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it fixed in 24 hours? Is it fixed in three weeks? What happens when he has his first attack and he doesn't know what to do? Right. You know, yep. does he know, does he know how to uh, manage his deal of the days and optimize supply chain and figure out all those other pieces? And the likelihood is, is probably no, because mm-hmm. other people had tried our sort of model, yep. not quite as nuanced as us and failed miserably. Right. Because it takes a lot to do it right. And so for us, it's just sort of like it's a total burn, bird in the hand scenario. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's an advantage to work with a company like ours, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, if you like you said, if you if you get an LOI, you get a quick deal, you know, you know, you know, the company, you know, it's closing. And if you have upside potential, then you, you have obviously a tremendous track record. Um, to back up and for a seller to be confident in, you know, in, in the upside potential that they, they have potential to, to get paid more uh, on, on that deal. And of course, you know, uh, growing, growing a billion dollar company, I can imagine is a, you know, very difficult and uneasy feat. And yeah, there's probably a lot of people trying to sort of do that right now. But like you said, if, you know, if it was, <laughs> if it was easy, you know, there'd be a lot of Thrasios. Uh, currently and you know there there aren't necessarily so um yeah you know um uh i'm sure the press is getting other people that are interested and um th- there's opportunity but it's also i'm sure not as easy as as it looks from from the outside um so um so thank you so much um john for coming on the website is uh thrash.io um and you can go there, and if you're interested in, um, you know, in talking to uh, the team and and Ken, who leads up the the acquisition, you can I think fill out fill out a form there, um, and uh, talk to you guys about uh, about selling. And I know you, I know you have a pretty quick process for assessing. Even if, I think I've seen when a seller doesn't have a lot of their, you know, great financial statements, etc. You guys uh, have a process for sort of generating. A PL with some basic information on, you know, landed cost of goods, et cetera, um, from, yep. from within Seller Central. So it's uh, easy to work with. Um, and, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing for the for the community. You've, uh, I saw you sponsoring um, Seller Poll. Um, I know Casey is sharing a little bit, uh, not, not all the secret sauce, but, um, you know, sharing sharing some of his learnings from, from within inside the company. And uh, I think sellers really uh, appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on and uh, taking the time to, to share. You're welcome, man. Like, at the end of the day, I really want to see other sellers succeed. This is a massive space with so much potential. Um, and I want other people to, to feel the same thrill that we've had and whether that they ever sell to us or not, I'm frankly indifferent. Mm-hmm. We will be fine. Yep. Um, but the, this is the entrepreneurial frontier mm-hmm. that we're living in. And it's a very unique time where a dude can start like, you know, or do that shipping products out of his garage in Toledo, Ohio, right. where nothing else is going on and make magic happen. It's it's an amazing time. And I'm so happy that we've made so many millionaires over the last few years. It's the coolest thing. And when you have someone who you, you know, 
who, uh, we, you know, we purchased their brand. And I asked the guy, I was like, what are you going to do? First thing you're going to do after he sells it. And he says, I'm going to get braces. <laughs> like, yeah. that, I, you know, we've had stories like that. It's, yeah. um, it's amazing. And it's, uh, it's something that's not talked about very often, but it is the personification of the American dream or if you're from another country. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that too. So, uh, we we're we're just so excited to continue on this journey and and uh you know we're happy to share most of the information that we have <laughs> okay, yeah <laughs> yeah no that that's fair and yeah thank you so much i imagine i imagine that's it's an amazing feeling when um you, you can make that kind of uh you know make an impact for consumers but then you know also see the direct impact you made to a seller who yeah started you know started this business a few years ago and then gets a wire for a million bucks um, you know, and that's, uh, life-changing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, John. Really, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to come on and share. You're welcome. Good talking to you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that interview with John and you go and implement uh, these creative ad strategies. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you haven't given us a review on Apple iTunes, would love it if you would. And if you haven't joined the e-commerce mindset uh, Facebook group, the links are in the show notes as well. I'll see you on the next episode of the podcast.